Hello, I'm Darren. I'm a sustainability scholar and an environmentalist. Hola, me llamo Jimena. Hello, my name is Jimena, and I am a natural resource technician, educator, and environmental activist. So, talk climate change to me. If everyone in the world lived the way people do in the United States, it would take five Earths to provide enough resources for everyone. So, Talk Climate Change to Me is a podcast about the systematic issues behind climate change. So, we'll be talking about studies, research, and statistics involving climate change, but breaking down the barriers between scientific, langu- scientific language and everyday people. Scientific language is difficult to communicate to the general public because, for example, the scientific name for sunflowers is and us, and that's not really common knowledge, so this podcast will be the bridge where the two worlds collide. <laughs> so let's talk about the Anthropocene. So for those of you who don't know, the Anthropocene is the current geological time period um, where humans have been like the main influence on climate and the environment. Um, and so like... I'm particularly interested in this topic because of the fact that there's this philosophy that humans are like the most important element of existence. Like we think that we are the most important thing in the world and we disregard everything else. Um, And the term for that is anthropocentric, um, but I usually refer to it as the human superiority complex because that's really what it is. Yeah, it's the difference between ecocentric and egocentric because ecocentric puts the ecology at the center of the world and and egocentric puts humans at the center of it. And that's not really how it should be. And just the fact that the systematic issues around the world are all based around the fact that humans are put first above all else, above all other creations is the center of the problem. Exactly. And so, like, I think the biggest problem is, like, the fact that humans for such a long time, um, and this is definitely because of, like, uh, Eurocentricism and, like, colonialism and all that stuff, but we'll get into that later. Um, But the fact that humans for such a long, for such a long time have believed that we are more important than everything else and we've disregarded the way that we treat the environment, the way that we treat um, our non-human kin or animals, um, has really put us in a very, very, very bad position, which I'm sure you all know. Rising sea levels, um, we are currently in the sixth mass extinction, um, which we are losing about one to 200 species to extinction every single day, um, which I'm sure like you know much about that. Yeah, and even the CO2 levels that we are experiencing now, present day, are higher than at any other point in time where humans have been on the planet. So yeah, while people can make arguments that CO2 levels have been high before, they've never been this high while humans have been on the planet. And that's like super, super alarming. And majority of people don't know that. And that's like crazy because people really do need to be educated on this. But that's not like it's not their fault for not knowing about these things, because one, like the media doesn't really cover the facts on that. And two, the the studies and everything that they do have on it and like the research and the statistics, um, one, it's very hard to find. Like it's not going to be something you can just find on Twitter. Like you actually have to look for it. And when you do find it, the language is sometimes really hard to understand. Like I'll even admit like half the stuff I read in my classes, I don't even get it. But like, and I don't even read the whole thing. I just skimmed through it, which is probably bad. But that's that's like the point. Like we want people to be able to 
we, we want to provide access to that information to people in a way that they can really understand what exactly is going on, you know? Yeah, because a lot of the science is hidden behind difficult terms and hard to learn phrases where, yeah, you can read it, but it'll take you like maybe 10 times until it actually sinks into your brain. And sometimes you don't want to do that, like especially college students, you'll write a paper and be real. You you only read the abstract of that one. (laughs) (laughs) You only read the abstract of that one paper that you decided to cite. And so here we're going to try to break down and teach you more about those papers that you didn't read or maybe like those studies that you've questioned before but you never actually like dove through them so we're gonna do the dirty work for you pretty much (laughs) and that's like important so that way you don't have you literally don't have to do anything but listen and that's really what we want to do um and the reason why we decided to talk about the Anthropocene right now is because that's really, even though it seems like such a, re- a big topic, it's very, it's very, very broad and it's really complex. So within the Anthropocene, there's so many different driving factors. Um, but the main root of it is the fact that humans move more sediment and rock than any other natural process like in the world, which is what pushed us into this, this geological time period. Um, and that's like, that's actually really bad. Um, So, yeah, that's actually really why I wanted to talk about it. I didn't know what else I was going to add. Yeah, like I studied um, or one of my classes that I took in college was geomorphology. And we learned about how sediment moves on its own. And it's actually like if you let nature do its things, it's it's how we get all of those amazing views and nature and like just sites that we just look at it and we just can't imagine how it came to be because it wasn't man-made and it just came to be on its own. And a lot of the small processes, like you wouldn't even think about the the impact that a raindrop has on a hillside, but it's what drives it. It's what makes it. You wouldn't think about the individual rocks that flow through the water and create sand or create new rivers, how meandering rivers move like through the Amazon and you just wouldn't think of the smaller things, but it breaks it down. And it's just hard because humans just think that the world is ours to play with when it's really not. Yeah, it really isn't. We owe more to the earth than the earth owes to us. And what I say a lot is like a lot of climate activism isn't because we're trying to save the planet. It's us trying to save ourselves because no matter what, the planet is still going to be here. At the end of the day, even if the apocalypse happens, even if this or that happens, nuclear war, whatever, it's not the planet that we're trying to save. It's us. It's humanity. And at the end of the day, not caring about the environment is just hurting ourselves. Yeah, and it's it's like it's a really 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 big problem and I think one of the big things that I don't think people realize is cities are one of like the big driving factors for a lot of this stuff and we're oblivious to it, you know, we I live in a city, we're from big metro areas like that's just it's a thing that happens and it's going metro areas are going to continue to grow because that's where the jobs are at. That's where that's literally where everything is at and like that's not me putting like small town America and small towns all over the world like down cuz those are amazing, but people are migrating to bigger cities in such large numbers and at, since cities are the, lar- the a really really big driving factor within like the climate within climate change and the anthropocene and everything um it's going to continue to get worse if we don't make the changes that we need to be making um like one of the so like i'm 
like I'm uh, I'm going to school for sustainability and urban planning. And one of the big things that I've noticed is that when it comes to planning out cities and everything, we we do it in a way to benefit humans and human like basically the, the livable cities. We want to make it to where people are comfortable in all these things. But we completely disregard um, how it's going to displace animals, how we I guess in a way how we're going to treat the land that we're building on because yeah there is environmental planning and land use planning which does um regulate those type of things but even genuine it's generally new yeah it's generally new and so that's like a way to kind of keep that from happening but even then the laws for that aren't strict enough to where we're still going to like uh degrade the, the land in ways that we shouldn't be yeah like for example portland i know every city has its pros and cons no matter the good in a city you're always going to find bad stuff but the city of portland is actually taking steps to create more green like a more sustainable city because most of the the buildings that they're actually building right now are some sort of lead certified whether it's gold platinum or silver I believe uh, they are like a lot of these buildings are made with those standards. And it, in fact, I believe that they have the most lead certified buildings per capita than any other city in the U.S. And since it is a growing city, that's actually a really good step towards the right direction. And they have a long way to go. But that, along with the their public transit system being actually really good and one yeah. of the easier to use ones, those types of uh, those types of city planning things are what more cities should be looking towards. And so I think Portland sends a great message to more developing cities on what measures they should take if they care about the environment. No, like really, like in my sustainability classes and my urban planning classes, um, we always use Portland as a case study because Portland is actually one of the most sustainable and really, really well, um, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I can't even I can't even I get so like I start rambling it's one of the best planned out cities in the country um because of the the measures that they take in order to um I guess conserve the environment and everything because I mean Portland's beautiful like if, if you've been here like you know it's pretty that's why I'm here because Portland's like amazing I live in Phoenix and, and there's no sales tax yeah there's no sales tax which is cool and you don't pump your own gas just saying oh you don't that's right no, I or forgot. you literally just give them your card and you're like Phil please that would be so nice in Phoenix since it's like a million degrees in the summer like yeah you I don't wanna... even have to get out of your car you just... imagine oh my god that'd be so nice in Phoenix um <laughs> I'm over here complaining about Phoenix oh I actually want to talk about this so one of the things that I really wanted to talk about um was in my advanced concepts and integrative approaches for sustainability class um I go to Arizona State by the way uh we were talking about this girl her name is Jennifer Wilcox or their name is Jennifer Wilcox because I, I don't know how they identify so I apologize for that um but basically one of the things that I discussed on Twitter which a lot of people really resonate it resonated with them was the fact that they compared the Amazon rainforest to synthetic rainforest um and so which are artificial trees which doesn't make any sense at all and um Basically, one of the quotes that she or that they said and right here, it says the Amazon is capable of capturing one point six billion tons of CO2 each year. This is the equivalent of roughly 25 percent of our annual emissions in the U.S. The land area required for a synthetic forest or a manufactured direct air capture plant to capture the same is 500 times smaller. So basically what she's saying is that 
we can like i mean she does have some really good points in her in her ted talk and everything and i will give her that um but the message that's coming across in her thing is that we can basically create um technology that will enable us to continue living the way that we're living and we can continue to cut down trees as much as we want and like that's that's wrong like we should not be able to do that you know what I mean? on that premise that whole argument is wrong like based on the premise that we don't have to switch the way that we're living that that alone makes the rest of the statement wrong exactly and like one of the things that another thing that just made her even more problematic is the fact that she put or she put like if she was writing this in her talk she said you don't have to build it on arable land so there's no competition with farmland or food and that's really problematic because of the fact that like if you look at the united states and i think in canada this might be a thing too but obviously i'm not canadian so i don't know um but for those of you who don't know bison were almost completely eradicated during colonial uh during colonization because of the fact that they were trying to kill off a food source for many native peoples um and they're actually continuing to be cold today because of um, cattle raising for grazing and stuff. And I mean, as we both know, um, the animal agriculture industry is like one of the leading lead, uh, one of the leading. leaders in um, the leading the lead causes of climate change. It yes, <laughs> the, the CO2 emissions and the methane emissions from animal agriculture are a very big contributor to climate change. And what people don't understand that is that, yes, methane, of course, it's terrible. It's actually worse than carbon dioxide. But we have to feed those animals something. So you're making you're cutting down more trees. You're degrading more land to build food just to feed these animals instead of feeding people. And then those animals are in turn like burping out methane, which is like one of the main reasons that they're doing it and that it's so bad is because they're making them eat food that makes them gain more weight rather than food that they should be eating. So like they shouldn't have corn, but we're giving them corn because it's in such like we just have so much that we're giving it to them because they gain more weight that way. But it's really bad for their stomachs. So like everything that we're doing with animal agriculture is just like problematic. Yeah, it's problematic in itself. And like that is literally an entire different discussion because we can go on and on about that. And like, obviously, a lot of people are not going to agree with us on this. And like whether you eat meat or not, like the facts are there. Yeah. And reducing your intake does a lot more than just saying like then then not doing anything yeah they're not doing anything at all and like we're not this conversation right here is not trying to get you to stop eating meat we're just trying to bring the facts to you so you know exactly what's going on um and another thing which i think is really funny i just checked and jennifer wilcox which is the person who i'm talking about she blocked me on twitter she blocked (laughs) me because i was critiquing her i'm like if uh, uh jennifer if you're listening which i don't think you are but if you have these type of viewpoints, you should be prepared for people to critique them because this is a major issue. And the fact that you block, she blocked me is basically like her being like, whoa, I'm being fact checked. Like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. And that's Instead just Instead of owning up to like, the critiques of what's going on, yeah. you know, and like the other thing that I, I mentioned in here and I, have, I pulled it up on Twitter because like I don't remember everything, but I just wanted to discuss this because I think it's really important. Um, basically, where did I put this? So she never mentioned the amount of methane which we just talked about released from raising cattle on the farmland that she refers to um 
And that's very, very important. So she completely ignored that fact, which is kind of giving this false idea that like, that's not what's happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's, I don't know. She just, she just comes off like a very problematic person. I don't, I don't even really, know, I don't know her. I came across that one Ted talk and I don't really know what she stands for or what she even does, but yeah, I think that's a, that, that was just something I really wanted to talk about, but, um, <laughs> yeah, like you thought you said something. I know. Like, and the, I'm like, like, and you know, I, I did mention there like that she she did have some really valid points, but if you're gonna try to make I get okay, so if you're gonna try to provide a solution for something that's going on, you have to be able to discuss all of the problems that have come with it. You you can't just pick and choose what you're gonna discuss and then leave out the rest of the problems because that's not how climate change works. Yeah, that's just cherry picking your data to make your argument sound more valid and and that's not that's how it that's works. what climate change deniers do. Exactly. And <laughs> so Jennifer Wilcox, you might be a climate change denier, even though your whole point of your TED talk was to help stop climate change. <laughs> but the, that's kind of what climate change deniers do. Like a lot of their things like the for example, the person that I keep telling you that like he keeps commenting videos on my <laughs> or he, oh, yeah, yeah, he keeps like com- like copying and pasting links to random videos about climate change deniers on my YouTube videos. Their main solid argument is that because you can't see what Greenpeace is doing, because you can't see microplastics without a microscope, because you can't see CO2 in the atmosphere, all of those reasons are why climate change is fake or climate change isn't real when there's hard proof and evidence and facts behind it. And every other country in the world signed the Paris Agreement, except for, I believe it was Syria and Nicaragua at first, Nicaragua didn't want to sign it because they didn't believe that it did enough, but they eventually did end up signing it. And Syria, like, they have their own issues, okay? Like, we're not talking about anything that's going on with that country right now, but they have their own issues. It makes sense that they didn't sign it. It's too much going on. But every other country in the world agreed that climate change was an issue worth taking on and tackling on a global scale. And, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, how is climate change happening in Mexico and Canada? But it it completely skipped the U.S. Right? Like, it's like we're, we're just, like, immune to everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. But- like, all, from all the vaccines that we didn't take. Oh <laughs> Seriously, though. Like, oh, my God. Those anti-vaxxers. Like, oh, no. If you're an anti-vaxxer and you're listening to this, like... You Don't know, get vaccinated. You, yeah, you, you need to go. Because something's wrong with you. Yeah. Like, they're, like if it wasn't for vaccines there would be a lot more deaths. Let's just leave it at that. So that I know, really. Um, <laughs> like human population would be a lot lower if it wasn't for vaccines. I, dude, I know. It's like crazy. And that's, see that. Okay. Maybe we should take away vaccines. Oh my God. That's a, that's a whole nother conversation in itself. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's actually, so I guess building off of the vaccine things, one of the things that like a lot of people don't know is like the diseases, the diseases that we are completely unaware of that's like in the permafrost that's going to be melting like humanity is going to get hit with so many different diseases that we are unprepared to treat and we don't have any vaccines for because they've been frozen for millions of years and guess who's going to transmit those mosquitoes 
if you're get not, I don't get why there's people that are just like, oh, it's just a mosquito bite. And like, they just like, no, I freak out. Like, I cannot be around mosquitoes yeah. because I keep getting scared that I'm going to get like AIDS or something. Like, mosquitoes are what transmits a lot of the diseases. And because climate change is becoming a lot more prevalent and mosquitoes are coming up more north, a lot more of the those diseases that the mosquitoes are carrying are moving more north. And so, like, the Zinka virus, like, HIV, like, all of those things are going to, they're coming up north. Yeah, and, like, and so that's, that's like, one thing that I, <laughs> joking on this, luckily for me, mosquitoes never really bite me. I, I think I must have, like, nasty blood. It's probably because I drink a lot of coffee. I drink mm-hmm. enough water, so, but that's not good, so I do, I don't recommend that. <laughs> no, actually, so I used to make a joke because, um, like, at, when I first started at my job where I'm at right now, I used to always, like, not match because I bought, like, random stuff from Goodwill because, I mean, I'm outdoors or di- uh, sorry, I can't speak. I'm outdoors <laughs> all day, so I didn't really care what I was wearing. And I had like these bright blue pants and this like orange jacket. And I used to always make jokes and say that the reason that I never got bit by mosquitoes, stung by bees or anything is because they didn't like the way that I dressed. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is like, oh, my God. That's so bad. We were at a site one time and there was a whole bunch of mosquitoes because there was like a pond and stuff. And like just like a whole bit like somebody got swarmed by wasps there and like I didn't get touched by anything at all and I was in the same areas and I just kept saying it's because they don't like the way that I'm dressed (laughs) (laughs) see I so I can't necessarily talk about where I work only because of a contract that I signed but I do work outside also (laughs) and so like uh I I mean I don't really get bit by mosquitoes but I like drench my skin in sunscreen well, I mean, in Arizona, you know, it's sunny all the time. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's very, very hot for those of you who have never been there. Um, our winters are nice, but please don't move there in the winters because we don't need any more snowbirds. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, the summer temperatures get really, really hot. Like, into, like, the, I think it's, like, the 100, like, the hottest I think anybody has ever recorded was 121. But I've only been at 120, and I want to die when that gets that hot. But, um. No, that is why I left Mexico. <laughs> 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 oh, oh yeah Mexico is, ju- is just as hot right yeah and I was I lived I'm from Tampico so that's like right next to the Gulf of Mexico and I guess when I was little it used to be so bad that my mom like she would get home and she would yell at my grandma because I would look like I was soaking wet like my sheets would be soaking wet my hair would be soaking wet and she'd be like why did you let her take a shower and my grandma was like no she she didn't take a shower that's all sweat and so like it was just really bad like I oh swear I am not yeah. I'm not made for the heat i'm made for like the warm like like right in between like the 30s and like the 80s (laughs) that is my prime (laughs) (laughs) see i am not meant for the heat whatsoever i'm from san diego you know that's like perfect weather right there um it wasn't so expensive i'd be living there right now but yeah phoenix is just really hot like and in terms of climate change, Phoenix, I think, is actually supposed to be uninhabitable habitable within the next 50 years. Yeah. If It's actually the yeah. fastest. Um, the the temperature is increasing the fastest than anywhere else in the U.S. Yeah. In Arizona. Yeah. And it, I think and especially because like, oh, I had to I had to like write a report on this and like look up statistics and stuff. And the amount of days that are above 100 degrees at night in Phoenix have... It used to be, I think, less than a week 
in the 90s and now it's usually at least a month and a half if i remember correctly don't quote me on that because i don't have the exact statistics but based on my memory that's what happened um and the amount of days that are above 110 where i think it was like one or two a summer in the 90s and now it's like consistent granted this year was a pretty cool year which makes a lot of people a lot of the climate change deniers in arizona say that oh climate change isn't a thing but we got snow in phoenix this year in like february i think or march like it didn't it didn't stick but like the mountains got snow there was like flurries that would touch the ground it would melt but where i live i live like north phoenix and so outside that loop freeway which i know you don't even know where that's at <laughs> but there, we have the loop 101 in uh phoenix and no it's not the 101 from from california um but it's like a, a loop that we have that goes around the city and so right outside of that loop it was completely like covered in snow all the way to northern arizona and like northern northern arizona gets snow like that's just a thing um but phoenix doesn't and so obviously like when you think about temperatures getting colder you think that climate change is into the thing because of global warming but it, it, it is a thing places that weren't normally cold are going to get really cold and places that weren't normally really hot are going to get hotter and in some cases like phoenix where it's hot it's just going to get hotter yeah like actually the reason that it used to be called global warming and then started being called climate change isn't because environmentalists were rebranding which is what a lot of climate yeah. change deniers <laughs> think it's because while overall our average temperatures are going to get hotter it, there's going to be a shift in climate in climate so for example this year the polar vortex broke into two and so places that weren't used to experiencing cold were experiencing the like they were flood what is, what is it called they had they had snowstorms i was gonna say flooded in snow yeah okay. blizzards <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of blizzards and they like just a lot of snow in places that isn't used to getting snow but at the same time there was a lot more hot air going towards the arctic which the arctic is not used to getting that much hot air so it was just a lot of shifting weather um happening earlier this year and that's what's going to keep happening that's why we've been seeing the increase of in of extreme weather because places that aren't used to certain climates are getting like different climates like the, it's changing yeah, yeah. The, climate is changing, climate is changing. <laughs> like the like california and the west coast is getting a lot less rain but the east coast is getting a lot more rain so they're experiencing a lot more flooding and see in areas that are getting like less snowpacked and less rain like on the west coast you're gonna have increased um wildfires and i mean as you've seen california we struggle with wildfires all the time and like i think we had a really bad was it last year it was the one in norcal it was last the last two years have been really okay. bad yeah no and so they get they get really really or bad with, fire, with the fires <laughs> When, so like and that like when people think of forest fires you automatically think of houses and how that's going to affect people but what you don't think about is how it's going to affect squirrels birds mountain lions deer um even it, snakes even like there's so many so many animals like bobcats that rely on those areas to survive and so when they move into urban areas we immediately want to kill them call them everything because of the fact that they're invading our territory but when what it comes down to is we're urban sprawl which is basically like cities expanding and at uncontrollable rates we're moving into these ecosystems where they're they're having to adapt quickly to to our like areas and they're trying to have to figure out how to survive within um the means that they have in urban areas and 
for for animals to what am I trying to say to evolve and those type of things it ha- happens over like mm-hmm. tons and tons of years it's not just gonna happen in one night and so I think that's something that many people don't realize that the impacts that we're having on the planet is not just having negative effects on us it's having negative effects on every living thing on this planet you know yeah and, the, <laughs> and then also like wildfires are technically not bad it's bad when we suppress fires because then that makes fires a lot more likely and a lot more dangerous so controlled fires are actually a thing that you need a permit for and it helps because it gets rid of all of the dead debris and it replenishes the land but by suppressing all of these fires in California, that's actually why they got as bad as they did. It's because you need to burn the land just so that it can replenish and re-get it, regain its nutrients and stuff. But we're not doing it in a controlled way. That's why like, there's a lot more debris and a lot more fuel to burn. Exactly. Because they've been suppressed for so long. And like, uh, if, if you look back in history since like pre-contact since like the America's like since the U.S. wasn't even a thing uh native peoples we would we would consistently have controlled burns prescribed burns to keep that from happening um and California was one of the places they do that and I think in northern California they're I think they're along the tribes to do that again if I remember correctly I don't know I know Um, I just know that you have to have a permit for it yeah so that you can like let people know so they don't freak out yeah because there's a fire I think if I remember I think they're letting I think but it's like it's an arrangement between like obviously the state government and like them but I think that that's like a thing but I'm not too sure um but prescribed burns were always a thing and so it's like uh, Hemana said like whenever they stopped allowing us to do that or not just us but even like the colonial government when they stopped doing that and they started to suppress the fires they just keep getting worse yeah and so luckily so far northern california hasn't gotten fires as bad <sighs> but i don't even want to talk about pg e because the way that they, they they shut off the power for like oh yeah they didn't even they said between two and five days for some counties and some areas and then they put the information on their website and then the website crashed so like everybody was like is our power getting shut off or not and like it's they oh my gosh it that yeah. part of it is just all pg&e's fault I because know. they don't have a good system and they don't know what they're doing it's just it's it that i feel like that is definitely a form of like um what is it called the income they're, they're, they're like discriminating against like low-income people because within those areas i think it was like the big corporations that have like corporate offices and stuff there didn't the power was still on i think yeah well it's because they didn't announce it so they said like this general area like the general bay area is going to get their power shut off but they didn't say which cities or counties were going to experience it and then like the the way that they're doing it it's not like all of the cities and counties in that area are going to do it anyways like i want to say that like vallejo was on the list but napa wasn't and they're like really close to each other so it just like it didn't make sense see and like (laughs) In, in terms of power outages and everything like that, and I'm going to draw this back to Phoenix, in cities like, in metro areas like Phoenix, where it's super, super hot and you literally cannot survive without air conditioning, unless you're like psychotic and you like the house at 100 degrees, which I cannot be friends with you if you're like that, but it, it, it's your, it's, you cannot survive those temperatures consistently. And if something like that were to happen to in Phoenix in the middle of the summer, I can guarantee you, 
majority of the retirees who live there are going to die because people who move to Phoenix and areas like Phoenix, they don't realize how hot these temperatures get because in their mind, oh, we have air conditioning. It's going to be fine. But air conditioning comes from electricity. And so the power goes out. That's going to happen. Another thing is uh, water scarcity. That's going to be a growing thing with climate change, um, which a fact that many people don't know about Phoenix. Um, and I think all, I don't know if it's all of Arizona, but I know it's I know the Phoenix Metro does or maybe it is Arizona. One of the two that we get 50 percent of our ground, 50 percent of our water from groundwater sources, um, which groundwater sources can be recharged and refilled. But that is all dependent on how much rain you get. So if we don't get enough rain and we're extracting more water than can be replaced, you're going to see ground sinking. You're not going to have enough. You can eventually run out of water. And the rest of the water that we get comes from Lake Mead. Wasn't it Lake Michigan? No, Lake Michigan's like... uh, What what is the the other state? Lake Mead? No, there's another one. The Colorado River Basin? Colorado River Basin. Okay, wrong state. (laughs) To me, they're close. I think think the... I think the Colorado River Basin is part of Lake Mead. I think. It could be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google this because I, I need to know. I'm pretty sure that it is. But just for the sake of making sure that we're giving you all, like, accurate yeah. information. I actually... Well, you're looking it up. But I actually did make one of my climate change tour videos about Arizona. And that's how I know about, like, the the fact that Ari- the state of Arizona gave away their water rights so that they could build the dam. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so if... It is. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, so the Colorado River. Yeah, so, like, in the event of, like, water shortages, California is the first to get water, and then it's... Correction. It's actually the tribes. It's the tribes and then California. California, Okay, it's the tribes and then California and then Arizona. So Arizona is the first one to have to limit their water because they wanted to build the dam. Yeah, it's, and I think there's even a politician in, from some town in southern Arizona who wants to lift restrictions on extracting groundwater. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was really funny. Is it recording? Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> But the only reason I know it is because I made the climate change tour video about it. And so, like, I have better stats on the full numbers about it. And also (laughs) and also um, the yeah, the actual numbers behind that. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, but I feel like Arizona is a really good case study in terms of like what not to do because of all the climate change deniers. Essentially, you know, (laughs) Wait, Barbara wants to get out. I can edit that out. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. I, that was super, super funny. <laughs> but, yeah, no, like, uh, obviously it's not just Arizona. Like, that's one of the states that's like that. It's it's a lot of states in the country, unfortunate, and a lot of areas around the world that's like that. Um, but the, the problem with the U.S. is that we are what a quote-unquote developed country um, and as such we should we should be I guess we should be like um, we should oh, be we, the example yeah we should be the example of what we should be doing because we like to portray ourselves as this country that's like the best in the world 
And we try to make it seem like other countries need to be like us. But yet there's other countries who are, quote unquote, undeveloped that are doing more work to fight climate change than a country that is, quote unquote, developed. Yeah. And like the fact that we are starting to move backwards is also terrible because we're setting that example to countries that aren't doing as great. And we're the reason that they're not doing as great because they're like, oh, look, the U.S. can do it. Like, for example, Brazil, <laughs> like all of the stuff and all the degradation of their environment that's going on right now is because they're looking at the U.S. and they're like, well, if the U.S. can degrade their land, then so can we. If the U.S. can get rid of all their indigenous people, then so can we. If the U.S. is doing this, then so can we. And they're justifying it for those reasons. And that's why the U.S. needs to step up and be a world leader how they claimed to be. No, like seriously. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize, especially like... (sighs) Okay, so I'm trying to see how to put this in a better way, but there's really no good way to do this. European Americans, most European Americans, and by European Americans, I refer, I'm referring to white people because white isn't a race or an it's 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 a skin color. That's what it is. Um, and this idea that white people are just you know the white people that we have in America is problematic because you have white people in Latinx countries and like in South Africa. So and I mean white white people in South Africa are colonizers. That's where they're there. Um, but the reason why I use the term. Uh, European American is because why European Americans are the only people in the country who don't have to put a country of origin dash American and whenever they check out boxes everybody else has to put something else so like native we have to put Native American Asian American African American Mexican American but they're just white like that's n- no um, but that's another conversation I, yeah. just, I have to put it in there but Basically, a lot of European Americans, um, especially in like the red states and the flyover states, um, are very like diehard American. And so they, they they don't care about other countries. They just care about the U.S. And you would think that those people who are like that. And I'm not saying those people to be divi- divisive. I'm just saying t- to, I guess, to, t- I guess to show a difference is what I'm trying to do. And so you if those people are care about the country enough that they want to do everything they can to protect it then and they should be environmentalists because that's a big thing that is that you need to save a country you know yeah but it sucks because people are expecting white people to be the leaders i know and like 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 and i'm not trying to bash on greta because she's doing amazing things and she is being very outspoken but people are looking more towards her and they're disregarding other people of color that have also tried to speak out about climate change i know and historically people of color have been the leaders in um fighting against climate change indigenous peoples i I forgot the statistics of it but we have such a small number of our populations in the world but we protect majority Mm -hmm. of biodiversity on the planet and nobody knows about that because white people are other and I'm not trying to be like again divisive but European Americans are the face of everything and that's very problematic because of the fact that majority of European Americans are not putting any work in there's a there's a lot don't get me wrong there's a lot of people doing a lot of work to fight climate change but the majority are are not and a lot Mm -hmm. of people of color are but yet we don't we don't have a seat at the tables. We're not really placed on the forefront of these issues. And that that's 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 a very big sustainability issue in itself because sustainability is very complex and when people think of sustainability, they think of just the environment, which you know that that is there's a lot more yeah, like issues behind exactly. it. Exactly. 
<laughs> I, I had something to say. I know, in my I mind just mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But like, for example, like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, like she's been doing amazing work. She's being, she's been super outspoken. And then look at all the hate that she's been getting from like the evangelicals and like the Republicans and stuff for saying stuff that people should have been saying for centuries. And I feel like. Or decades, I should say. But I genuinely feel like if she was white, she wouldn't have gotten as much backlash. Like, oh my gosh, they literally everything that she does. She got a haircut and she got her color, her hair colored for three hundred dollars. And the Republicans were bashing her for spending three hundred dollars on a haircut. Like that's not the average price of a haircut and color. And they were including a tip because she also like that price was plus tip. So they were just, oh my gosh, they just cared too much. They put her on Fox News for weeks, criticizing her clothing because they said that she was dressing too nice to be poor. Like there, there's a lot of issues that go beyond just climate change. And a lot of it has to do with like, what, what is it called? Environmental racism. Oh, That's yeah. a core issue behind all of this. And I know Republicans hate to hear it because they just think that, oh, they went from global warming to climate change to now environmental racism to all of this. Like, no, it all does go together. It's, all, inter- it's all interconnected. Yeah, it's all interconnected and it's all one big issue. We're just peeling back the layers like an onion and we're going down to the system and the root of the problem. And that's kind of what this podcast is meant to do. It's to unfold all of those issues and show you what the root of the problem really is yeah really <laughs> and like um so i i just like there's so much to go on that i'm like thinking about everything and like it's just it's there's so much to unpack here but we're definitely going to try our hardest um but i think right before we like i guess come to a close yeah. um i want to give you somebody to look up who is in comparison to greta um her name is autumn peltier uh she's actually first nations from ontario uh she I, i'm re- i really hope i don't butcher this and i'm sorry uh she's from the wick Wikwemekong people um, of Manitoulin Island. I'm sorry if you belong to that tribe and I pronounced it wrong. Please, please correct me if I did. Um, But Autumn um, has basically, uh, she's been advocating for clean water since she was eight. Um, She's consistently speaking at community events. um, And I believe she, 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 um, what am I trying to say? She confronted uh, Prime Minister Trudeau about the water crisis in Canada um, at the Assembly of First Nations, uh, the annual winter winter meeting. Dang. But a lot of people don't even know about her. You know, it's, yeah, it's really see, sad. exactly, because it, I think it all honestly boils down to color. Yeah, it, it, it really does. And the one thing that I think is just so unfortunate is that n- Native peoples are consistently like we're... We're, con- we're consistently, like, just trying to be racist. Like, people don't really acknowledge us. The government doesn't acknowledge us. And we are the, we are along... They acknowledge a- you when it's convenient. Exactly. And along others, other people of color in this country and in all over the world, um, indigenous groups are, consist- are consistently trying to preserve the environment, but we're constantly being, like, erased. Uh, uh, again, with all people of color, which is very, very sad. Um, but I think we're going to... Wrap it up. up. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, so thank you so much for listening. Um, We really, really do appreciate it. And we hope that you're you're learning something because that's kind of what we're aiming for. Yes. Um, We are here to educate you. And so that way you can't say that 
you didn't know because we told you. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's if there's specific questions or topics you want to suggest or anything that maybe you want to learn, uh, you can DM me on Twitter, um, which is Darren Oceanson, D-A-R-Y-N-O-C-E-A-N-S-U-N. Yes. And my at is Jimena and it's how you say it phonetically. That's not how you actually spell my name. Uh, it's H-E-M-E-H-N-A. Um, but this podcast will be posted on youtube spotify and itunes so you can catch it all there in case you want to rewatch it on a different platform go for it <laughs> yes and then join us in our next episode we really really hope that you do where we're going to discuss worldviews, colonialism and how that ties into climate change yes so yeah thank you for joining that's it yeah that's it <laughs> This is this is episode one, so thank you so much for hanging in there with us while we figure out what we're gonna do. Right. <laughs> we're a mess. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we're we're a cleaner mess. We're um, recyclables. Yes, there you go. We're, we're, and and um, oh my god, I'm so tired. It's been such a long weekend. Um, what is it when you uh, crap compostable? There you go. No, we're recyclable. Recyclable and compostable because food. That's waste gets composted. Oh, okay. Oops. I was thinking recyclable because like. Not not both. Okay, so I could be <laughs> recyclable kidding. in your compost. Or? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I do want to be. I do want to um, be composted. I think they do that in Washington. Actually, when I die, I want to be a tree. That same. Is, like I, yeah. I am going to be a tree. Literally I don't same. know what tree. Maybe maple. We'll see. If I if I die, like just know I'm gonna be a maple tree. Come I'm, come water me. <laughs> come water me. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate your support. Um, and have a great rest of your day. I, I really want to close this how I close all my YouTube videos. So don't forget to go hug a tree. Yes. And stay golden. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Later. <laughs>